Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome to the Project Life Mastery Podcast. I'm Stephen James, founder of ProjectLifeMastery.com, internet entrepreneur and life coach with a passion for living life to the fullest and fulfilling my potential as a human being. My purpose for this podcast is to be a powerful and passionate example of the unlimited possibilities that life offers for any of us that has the courage to commit ourselves to life mastery while sharing ideas, concepts, and strategies that can help you master every area of your life from your health, mindset, emotions, business, finances, relationships, and spirituality. Now, if you're someone like me that is hungry to take their life to the next level, then you're in the right place. Welcome and let's begin. Hey everyone, this is Stefan from ProjectLifeMastery.com and today I'm being joined with my friend Matt Clark, co-founder of Amazing.com and The Amazing Selling Machine. Uh, And I want to thank you just for coming all the way out here from Austin, coming here to my home in Vancouver to take the time uh, for this to connect. But uh, the purpose of this interview, I just want to pick your brain a little bit just about what it takes to be an entrepreneur. You know, you've built some successful businesses. You guys have built up Amazing.com, helping hundreds of thousands of people build their online businesses. Yeah. So I want to ask you just about the, the, the process, the journey of an entrepreneur, some of the rituals, um, the mindsets that you have, sure. and uh, be able to help those that are watching this right now that want to get started as an entrepreneur or already are an entrepreneur but want to take it to a whole new level. Yeah, for sure. Let's do it. So do you mind sharing with people a little bit about Amazing.com and uh, the business that you guys have built? Yeah, so uh, Amazing.com is um, basically we help people start and grow businesses. Uh, We've got a heavy focus on Amazon. Uh, It's kind of our bread and butter. Like We help people. We have a program called Amazing Selling Machine that walks people through everything from uh, you know what platform to sell on, what Amazon marketplace to sell on, how to pick a product, how to find suppliers, how to scale the business, how to do marketing, um, and, and basically everything you would ever need, including a community and, and software and all kinds of stuff, to basically build that business. And so that's kind of what we're best known for. We also have a membership over at amazing.com that basically gives you kind of uh, an a la carte selection of different trainings you can go through to help uh, scale an Amazon business, whether you want to learn how to increase conversion rate or, or run PPC ads um, or just about anything else. Uh, that's, that's what's going on over there. And then we do different live events and that kind of thing. I mean, our whole mission as a company is to give people freedom. And this means freedom uh, financially. It means freedom to live where you want. It means freedom to work for yourself. And the best avenue for us to sort of accomplish that mission 
is through this business model of e-commerce and specifically Amazon. Like we know nothing better than this right now. Uh, we have members that you know do as much as you know thirty million dollars a year with businesses they built starting with us. Incredibly rewarding. We have people doing amazing, amazing philanthropic things over in different countries around the world. Uh, so it's been incredibly fulfilling for us. But I mean, yeah, that's that's why we're here and what what sort of keeps us going. Wow. So how did you how did you guys start Amazing.com? It was you and your partner Jason. Yep. But was it just you guys starting? Start from scratch. Have you built successful businesses before, or how did you guys kind of get into this? Yeah, so uh, you know, I basically knew probably since I was maybe high school or younger that I wanted to start and run my own business. Never really had an um, idea of working for somebody else. Uh, so I went to college, and basically, uh, finance was one of my majors. And uh, the plan at the time was to basically go out there, work for a finance company, an investment bank for a few years, and then maybe start my own fund or something like that. And so I was kind of seven months into that investment banking job, and I was like, this sucks. Like, I do not want to be here any longer. So I just left. I just kind of left that job and uh, ended up kind of fumbling my way in. I was like, okay, I'm going to expedite my plan to start my own business. I have no idea what I'm going to start. And so I ended up kind of fumbling my way into selling um, different health supplements online. Very high-end stuff that now has become a lot more mainstream. Uh, you know, brands like Thorn Research and Zymogen and ones that people talk a lot more about now because they're very clean. Uh, they used to be only sold in doctor's offices, which is kind of the opportunity for me. So not a lot of people were selling them online. I had no idea how to sell online. But uh, through the help of like a guy that I had met that kind of like was an employee at an agency and like he didn't really know what he was doing either, but he knew like 10% more than I did. It was enough to kind of like get an e-commerce store up and running. And then I just dove in. I learned everything I could. I went to all the conferences. Books were not a huge help because it's kind of a new market. But I read every book. I read every article, every blog, conferences. I took all seminars on Google AdWords and just really dove in. And so I was able to get that e-commerce business to go from basically, like I think, I wish I still had the number, like 700 something dollars into the PayPal account the first month to doing about $2 million a year by the second year of operations. And it was just growing the thing like crazy. Um, so I was kind of get, able to get that up and going. But at the time, uh, like I, was, I had a basically $100,000 on American Express card. I don't know why they let me do this. And like my 23 years old, 22 years old. But they did. And then I was like, I have no idea how I'm going to pay this off. Because I had a couple million dollars in revenue. But profit was not good at all. Profit was pretty much non-existent because I was just buying so much ads and, and trying to get inventory in and all that sort of stuff. I didn't really know how to run a business. Um, so the way I kind of got out of that situation is I focused a lot on the conversion side. So I knew how to buy ads and I knew more or less how to get them to convert, but I didn't know how to get those people to buy more stuff after that didn't cost me any money. So I knew how to get customers in, but I didn't know how to monetize that list. That's when I dug into email marketing and um, uh, copywriting and that kind of thing. And that's what really turned things around. So I was able to kind of get that business, e-commerce business, profitable, ended up able uh, to sell it. And at the time, I learned a lot about selling on Amazon. And that's where Jason, the other co-founder of Amazing.com, came in. Is He and I met, and then basically uh, we formed a partnership. I knew a lot about selling on Amazon just from trial and error. He knew how to create training and uh, courses and software that could help other people take this kind of information to build businesses for themselves. So we came together. I was basically the course creator. He was the guy who knew all the rest of the stuff. And so we created a course called Amazon Money Machine back in the day. Ended up became, uh, becoming an amazing selling machine. And the rest is kind of history. We kept growing from there. Uh, found out we were changing a lot of lives with this program. So it motivated us to keep going. 
And uh, since then, we've really gone all in on sort of, you know, kind of fulfilling this mission of helping a lot more people uh, change their lives by starting their own businesses. It's amazing. And you guys kind of just started selling a course, but you guys have really built now a brand. You built yeah. Amazing.com. Uh, you have an amazing community. You guys have an office in Austin, Texas. Yeah. How is just the transition growing that now over the last few years? Yes, I mean it's um, it's been a lot of learning lessons, uh, you know, because things things have gone very well, and at times we've tried to push things really hard. We've tried to, you know, grow staff very quickly. We've tried to push ourselves in 52 different directions. We've learned a lot, but fortunately, is that you know we've we've kind of stuck with good values. You know, we value our customers we know at the end of the day like we're here that we don't benefit at all unless they're getting incredible value unless they're changing their lives so that's what's really through all the dumb mistakes that we've made like that's what's kept us going and why we're kind of still here and and thriving today is because out of all the stuff that we've done like we've never kind of lost sight of that so we have great customers they love us they respect us they trust us and uh, has kind of allowed us to, to make a lot of mistakes. But uh, fortunately, we've learned a heck of a lot in this time. I've learned a lot about business, um, about growing a business, and, and myself, uh, to be honest, along the journey. Yeah, so what, what would you say are some of the biggest challenges that you face, just your entrepreneurial journey, yeah. uh, and maybe some of the failures, challenges, struggles that you faced, and how are you able to overcome them? Yeah, so I mean, I think one is, um, it seems to be a classic mistake a lot of people make. Biggest companies in the world and people just getting off the ground is kind of trying to go too wide instead of deep. Right. Is that for whatever reason, I don't know what's wrong with us like humans, why we're wired this way, but like we want to like, as soon as something works, yeah. we want to do 52 different things in 52 different directions. Because yeah. we're like, well, if I can do this, uh, you know, it happens with people selling on Amazon. It's happened to me before selling on Amazon. You get one product working and just to make the math easy, let's say this one product is doing $10,000 a month. And you're like, you know what? If I want to do $100,000 a month, I just need 10 products. If I want to do a million a month, I just need 100 products. So sweet, I just start doing that. Whereas a much smarter approach that will keep you sane, won't mess up your operations, will likely uh, keep you more profitable, is saying, how do I get this one product to do even better? And then you don't have to manage multiple suppliers. Uh, You don't have to have employees get trained on that product. You don't have to manage two different listings. And so we've made the same mistake. We're like, you know what? We really know how to get people uh, selling on Amazon. We know how to really help them with this model. So what we're going to do is we're going to teach everything in business. <laughs> we know everything in business. We're going to teach everything from uh, accounting to social media to management to Amazon e-commerce, apps, you name it. Not a good idea. Like We didn't have that kind of expertise in all those other areas. And so we had a lot of pain that way. We kind of went really wide and it didn't do as well as we wanted to. So we had to really narrow it down to what we know the best. And that's when things really grow and when they, when they do very well. And so that was a huge kind of learning lesson for us is, is having the discipline to stay focused. And knowing at the end of the day, it means that you'll, you'll have a much better business. Uh, you'll have a, much more, a lot more stability down the road. Uh, I know one of these guys that nowadays, I think he owns a business that does about $13 million a year. He started with Amazing Selling Machine. And back in the day, he was the guy who was like, had a product live. And we're like, why don't you launch more products? Why don't you get more products live? He's like, nah, he's like, I just want to keep focusing on this one. We're like, we don't get it. You don't know anything. And here's this guy is absolutely crushing it today because he waited till that product had thousands of reviews. Then he launched another product. That product had thousands of reviews. So he didn't have this kind of roller coaster like a lot of people have, whereas they get this one product doing really well, 
And they're like, sweet, I'm going to grow this thing. I'm going to add five more products. They add five more products, and then all of a sudden that product starts tanking, and then they're kind of like, oh, crap, I forgot about that first product. So they build it back up, and his has more been kind of like, like this. And sure, he's had his fair share of issues, but uh, has done, done very well by this principle of staying incredibly focused on what you know better than everything. I love that. Yeah, often people also can dabble shiny object syndrome. They yeah. jump... You know, they're learning one business, might be Amazon, but then they're jumping to another business and they're not, they haven't mastered that yet. They haven't really maximized that existing business before jumping into the next thing. So I really believe in that too. Yeah, I mean, there's like one thing I just kind of want to mention real quick is that, you know, I thought about this a long time ago. Like I used to think about, you know, I was trying to study success. How does this success thing work? You know, read all the books with all that sort of stuff. And then at some point, like, I don't know, maybe 10 years ago, kind of a light bulb went off in my head is like there's only really two things you need is like one is to focus and the other one is to be persistent and like as long as you get those two things going and you keep at it long enough there's no reason why you can't accomplish anything you want whether it's be a great basketball player or own a great business or anything else you want in life it's that most people don't focus and most people give up too early and so if you're able to get those two things going which you have to know are kind of against human nature then you can really accomplish anything yeah now, I, I know failure is part of the process. You know, I've failed, you've failed. Most entrepreneurs out there have failed. What's your mindset and approach to failure? Yeah, so I mean, I've never really, um, I guess, looked at it as much like failure. Like, I remember at one point I had to kind of add up for something I was doing, how many businesses that I had started that had quote-unquote failed. And it's probably something like 20. Uh, I mean, I tried everything you could imagine. Like, I tried app business, I tried different information businesses, you know, fitness-related, not fitness-related, SEO stuff, I tried an e-commerce agency, which was horrible, and I tried all this sort of stuff, but to me, I was never like, well, that failed, well, that failed. Yeah. It was kind of like, oh, I don't really like that, I want to kind of push this a little bit in this right. direction. It's like, eh, I don't really like that, I kind of push this in this direction, and like, somebody else could look at it from the outside in, like, no, you're starting this and you're completely shutting it down. I've just never really thought of it like that. To me, it's much more based on iteration. Um, I mean, I think, I wish I could remember, like, I think the other day, I heard that, like, I think YouTube started off as like a dating website. I think that was like their original idea. But they kept kind of pivoting and pivoting and pivoting and pivoting and found where they were really knocking it out of the park. And then that's where things kind of scaled. And so I've kind of looked at my path and businesses and other things the, the same exact way. It's, it's not failure. It's just, you know, as, as kind of cliche goes, it's just learning. But it's more or less just like there's, there's sometimes there's no other way to get that information. You don't really know, no matter how much research you do, how well something's going to do until you put it out there and see what happens. Yeah. Now, on, on the other hand, I can hopefully save you a lot of money and a lot of heartache uh, by not uh, you know, failing a certain way. Um, we've done it in the case where have put half a million dollars on the line, a million dollars on the line, a big uh, legal liability kind of risk with certain employees and that kind of thing. Um, put all that stuff on the line and just kind of swung for the fences. Like, it sounds great, but that is stupid. Like, there's no reason to do that. For every single one of those mistakes, huge mistakes we've made, a lot of money, uh, a lot of stress, that for every single one of those, we could have got the same answer with a lot less risk, testing a lot smaller. I know in, uh, in, in Richard Branson, one of his books, he talks about like, oh, everyone thinks he's this massive risk taker. And there's that whole story about when he was going out there and basically he wanted to get new TVs installed in his yeah. jet, uh, in, in his jets for, uh, for Virgin Airlines. And uh, they basically wouldn't give him the financing to do that, but they would give him the financing to get whole new planes. Yeah. 
And so you're like, holy crap, like this guy's going to have a billion dollars of potential debt. And the deal was is that he got that limited, I don't remember the numbers, like $10 million or $15 million. And basically, that would be his total financial risk on this. Uh, and then they would basically take the planes back off his hands. So it looked like this big, massive risk, but he was actually very strategic about limiting it. Because you take enough of those big risks, and that could be catastrophic, can wipe you out. I mean, we've almost had this issue. Like, we took so many big risks that we almost were out of business. Um, And that's not a situation you want to be in. It's not something you have to be in. If people's families are dependent on you, if your own livelihood is dependent on it, test, fail, do all that stuff good, but but do it smart and do it small. Love it. Um, I want to ask you about rituals. Um, yeah. What is your morning ritual? And I, I believe in rituals just for being productive. I know you're healthy, you're fit, yeah. your mindset. Um, what, how do you start off your day? Yeah, so I've tried a lot of different things. Um, at the end of the day, it's kind of like I start with like, what am I trying to get out of this thing? Why am I doing anything at all? It's like I just believe that the morning is so important. Like I'm kind of a morning person to begin with, but I believe it's so important to doing as much as you can that you can face a lot of the crap later in the day that you don't have control over. Somebody could send you an email that that has something you have to deal with, some other problem could pop up, a competitor could do something, any number of things you don't have control over. And so it's kind of building some of that resiliency like first thing in the morning. So for me, I mean, I typically always wake up early. I've kind of varied an alarm, no alarm. Like right now I'm kind of in a uh, thing where I usually don't set an alarm, but I go to bed fairly early, so I'm usually up by like five or six. And so I'm up by then, and then like the first thing I do nowadays um, is basically I'll throw on some clothes and I'll go outside and I'll kind of start walking. It's a very kind of like Tony Robbins morning ritual. And so I'll start walking and then I, I start thinking about, you know, kind of what I'm grateful for. Lots of science, not just kind of listening to kind of self-help, you know, gurus, but like more or less like there's a lot of research now that backs up some of this stuff and contradicts some other stuff that other people have said for a long time. But one of the things that research has backed up a lot is gratitude. I mean, the power of that is, is undeniable. And so I think about what I'm grateful for um, before I start thinking about what I want. And then I start thinking about, okay, what do I want to get out of this day? What do I want to bring to this day? Um, so I think about that. And then another thing is, is that I start thinking about like what I'm excited about. Like For me, that's like, very specific because um, you can focus on all the problems you have. But um, for me, I, I choose to make that part of my kind of morning is to focus on what I'm excited about. So I do that, and then that'll kind of wrap up kind of my little walk. It usually doesn't take that long. It's maybe like 10 minutes or something like that. And then it also kind of gets my body moving. Like a lot of times, like I'm sitting down, looking at the computer and stuff. And the next thing that I do now is that I've, I've been a huge fan of a device called HeartMath. Have you? Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. I read the book and everything, yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah, I didn't the, know there was a book. The inner balance device? Yeah. Or, yeah. yeah, so I didn't know there was a book. But yeah, I mean, remember I was talking to this nutritionist person, and she was like, at one point, she was like, what's your stress level on a scale of, and I was like, a 12. <laughs> she was like, I didn't even say the scale yet. I was like, I know, it's a 12. <laughs> and she was like, yeah, I recommend this HeartMath thing. I was like, okay, cool, I'll try it out. But I love it. Like it's, you, know, you clip this little thing to your ear, and then you have an app, and you basically do these like focused exercises to try to see if you can kind of like calm yourself down. So I usually do like five minutes of that, like first thing in the morning, and then um, after that, for me, it's typically uh, now I've gone drinking coffee, not drinking coffee nowadays. I do, so I'll typically do that. And then I I like to that I'm not gonna say I do it every day, but I like to kind of work out right after that. Um, it's kind of always a hard trade-off for me because on the one hand, like, that's when my mind is the most active. It's first thing in the morning. I'm a morning person. Like, I can be at 100% in, like, mental energy within, like, 20 minutes of waking up, but not everyone's kind of like that. And so it's kind of hard for me to justify, like, spending that time working out 
Whereas I could spend that time doing something where I need my full capacity in my brain. But on the other hand, like I know how much of a reward I get later in the day by having worked out first thing rather than kind of be like, oh, crap, I still got to do it later. So I typically would do that. And then for me, um, before this is kind of like getting towards the end of this whole thing, is that I'll review my priorities. Um, I've done personality tests like Strengths Finder, another one called Berkman, another one called uh, Character Strength Survey, which you can actually get for free online. It's via survey.org, I believe, University of Pennsylvania, I think, but it's free. Um, and so a lot of these things have kind of triangulated that for me it's important to review my priorities to kind of get perspective on the day. So I review my bigger goals, my monthly goals, my weekly, and then what I've already kind of planned out to do for that day. And then, uh, I mean, at that point, I typically get to work. I mean, um, I've tried recently kind of separating days. I still don't feel like I have the best process for this, but dividing up kind of busy work, meetings, phone calls, errands, that kind of thing, versus like focus work. I believe as kind of a society and, and, and people in general, like we've lost the ability to focus. And if you have that ability to focus, to set aside time, to get meaningful stuff done, you have a competitive advantage over other people. And so being able to shut everything off, set a timer, and really focus with zero distractions. And I mean, not even an extra browser window open, yeah, yeah. not a cell phone sitting out, even seeing a cell phone, research has proven, even it's face down, that has proven to distract you from being able to focus. So put it away in a drawer and actually get some work done. And so um, some days it'll be that, and some days I have to do meetings and stuff. I love it. That's awesome. You know, I'm a big fan of rituals and, and that power, but you know, just doing that alone. I mean, you've taken care of you know your mindset, your your emotions, your gratitude, your body, and everything. Planning out the day, so you're setting your whole day up. So yeah. I, I found that, especially for entrepreneurs, that's so important um, because you know we're our own boss, and we got to make sure that we can get the most out of ourselves. Yeah. So I don't know if it's like the competitive sort of instinct yeah. in me, but something about it, I just absolutely yeah. love. It being like 9 a.m. and I'm like, yes, I was like, I've got more done today totally by 9 a.m. than most people get done in the entire day, and yep. so everything else was kind of just like a bonus at that point. Totally, yeah. You know, the other day we, uh, I got a personal trainer and we worked out at 6 a.m. Yeah. And by the time at 7 a.m., you know, we're coming out of the gym and everything, and everyone else is rushing to get to work, and and we've already accomplished something before most people even started their day. So yeah. it's just like a different feeling that you get. Yeah. I find from that. Yeah, sure. Cool. So I want to wrap this up. Um, I could talk to you for hours about this, but I know that you've got to catch a flight. But I want to thank you so much yeah. uh, for joining today. Uh, thank you guys for watching this. Um, if you guys want to learn about, more about Matt Clark, go to amazing.com. I'll link to his website. I'll link to uh, different pages that he has available as well. Uh, but I want to thank you guys so much. Hopefully you enjoyed this video, this interview, and we'll talk to you again soon. Thanks for joining me today and listening to this podcast. If you enjoyed this episode or received any value, then I'd love for you to leave an honest review on iTunes and subscribe to the Project Life Mastery podcast for future episodes. And of course, to receive more content and value, make sure to find and follow me at www.projectlifemastery.com for more. Thanks again. Remember to always believe and commit your life to mastery. I look forward to talking to you again soon. Say goodbye 
to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill.